Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Kodo listeners. This is Matt Hoist from the Kodo News Team. Welcome to another installment of Off the Record. Thanks for spending this rainy Tuesday evening with us. If it's raining where you are, it's raining where we are, which we're always appreciative of. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be checking in with uh, three of the folks who are in charge of playing a big part in keeping a lot of our communities safe. We have with us in studio Sheriff Bill Masters with the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, Chief Josh Compt with the Telluride Marshals Department, and Chief Chris Brody with the Mountain Village Police Department. All three of you, welcome. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having us. Um, Listeners, as always with Off the Record, if you have a question or a comment for either of these three leaders in our community, give us a call, 970-728-4333. Again, 970-728-4333, direct line to uh, the chiefs and the sheriff. Um, But the first question I will throw to all three of you, and I remember actually we, we... I had asked you this question two years ago when we did a, a similar show back during the, the summer of 2020, so it's been a while, but I'd like to ask it again to get things going. If each of you could just really quickly explain um, how it is that you got into this profession in the first place, because I don't know if it's an obvious choice uh, for most people. And uh, Sheriff Masters, we'll start with you, because you have the longest track record. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure when I decided to do it, on a date or whatever, but I, I decided to major in criminal justice in, in college. And I kind of thought was to go back and I'm from L.A., joined the LAPD. I was going to school in northern Arizona. But I came up here uh, to go skiing in uh, the early 70s and uh, got a job on the ski area after I graduated from college. And um, just by circumstance was picked up one night uh, hitchhiking um, by the local town marshal at the time, a man by the name of Jim Hall. And I told him I had a degree in criminal justice, and he said, I need a deputy marshal right now. Please come and work with me. And I I was the second uh, person on a two-man police department at that time, (laughs) so I was kind of the Barney Fife of of Telluride. And um, he put me to work immediately with no training, no police academy, no field training officer experience. This was the 70s. Uh, asked me if I had a pistol, and he said, you know, wear that on your hip. We had no uniforms. And um, I started driving around Telluride as uh, a deputy marshal. And uh, a year later, they sent me to the police academy in, uh, in Golden, Colorado. And uh, shortly after that, Jim left, and I was named the town marshal actually while, while I was in the police academy. And uh, shortly after that, I joined the sheriff's office. And as soon as I joined the sheriff's office, the sheriff resigned to become a county commissioner, and I was appointed sheriff. And I've been sheriff ever since. That's 42 years now. I've been sheriff, and um, I'm running again this year. So um, hopefully I'll make it through year 46. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. I didn't know initially you were appointed sheriff. You weren't elected initially to the role you were appointed to fill the vacancy to fill a vacancy the first two years i filled oh. a vacancy that was in 1980 yeah yeah um chief Brody, we'll go to you what got you into uh the policing game so originally i went to college for commercial photography and i did three years at a two-year junior college and realized that the work that my colleagues were doing i would never make it as a commercial photographer because theirs was so much better um, and, and it just happened at the college I was at, they had a police academy, so I went through that and decided this would be a great thing until I decided what I want to be when I grew up. Um, and that was 33 years ago, and now I don't know what else I would be doing. So I've, I've enjoyed my career. Um, started in Garfield County, Glenwood Springs, went to Grand County, which is Winter Park area, and then moved down here in 2000. So I've been here, me and my family all have been here since 2000. So. Mm. Chief Compt? Went to college at Boise State University and initially thought I was going to go into, wanted to be a lawyer. So I did a lot of internships during college at different law firms, including the U.S. Attorney's Office, and 
while I was there, I kind of realized that I'd rather be out on the street interacting with people and kind of making the cases rather than prosecuting on the back end. So I started focusing on law enforcement. Um, got my majored in criminal justice administration and then stuck around and got my master's in the same. Um, I had family that was in Orange County. So after I graduated from college, I moved back to Orange County and applied with Newport Beach PD and spent 15 years there before I took the job here. Hmm. Um, keeping it a bit bigger picture for a sec, I do want to ask all three of you just what your general um, philosophy is to, to this job. I think it's a, it's a really complex job. There's a lot of facets to it. Just what is your general philosophy to the role of local law enforcement? I mean, what do you all really do feel that your role in the community and, and in this this job um, is? Chief Brody, we'll start with you this time. So I, I think one of the biggest things, um, and everybody's heard the buzzword, community policing. And, and when that first came out, I don't know, the mid to late 80s, I, I honestly didn't understand what it was. And after a couple of years of going to trainings and learning what community policing is, I learned that's what I'd been doing my entire career. And, and that's really what it is. It, it's engaging with the community. Um, we're here to help. We're here to solve problems. Um, sometimes solving that problem is arresting somebody. Sometimes that solving that problem is getting them local resources to help them find food or shelter for the night as they move through our community. So um, for, for me, that's really what it is, is engaging our community, getting to know our community and, and the people that are here. So. We actually got a caller coming in, so we're going to take them up. Hello, you're live on uh, KOTO. You got a question? Are you hearing it, Matt? Yeah. Oh. I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing it. Yeah. Somebody, some pocket dial sounds like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, thanks for the call. We had some trouble with our headphones for some of our guests, so I'll just translate what you said to them, but appreciate the call. Thank you. The uh, caller was complimenting uh, John Montrobsky and Norman Squire, former uh, former law enforcement folks here and saying that they were excellent, excellent people. So they were complimenting your predecessors. Hopefully we can get the phone things figured out there, but not sure what that was, but we'll see what happens. Um, Chief Compt, same question to you though, in terms of big picture general philosophy for, for your approach to law enforcement. I mean, I think he nailed it. I mean, we're fortunate to live in such a small community where you really can put that community policing to the test and really get to know your community and the the business owners in it, I mean, we've, you know, at the TMO, we've really tried to increase our foot patrols on, on all of our shifts to kind of be more visible and in, in, in the community and getting out and meeting our, our store owners and our residents. Um, you know, like Chief Brody said, just being able to, to kind of work through problems as best we can and try and find common solutions to those to those problems is, is huge. So, hmm. Sheriff yeah, Masters? I, I, I would agree with, with uh, both the chiefs that, that – uh, you really didn't have to go to school to learn community policing because that's what we have to do. You have to do that in a small community because everybody knows who you are. We are getting increased challenges on community policing, however. You know, I think uh, the, the uh, reform movements that are going on around around the, uh, the state um, and coming out of the state legislature, I think, is making our, um, our business more regimented and robotic. And we all have to have body cameras on now and things like that, which really flies in the face of community policing. Another real challenge we have here locally is our, um, our housing. It's really hard to recruit uh, members for, uh, that are going to live here, uh, emergency responders that are going to actually afford uh, in the long term a house or, or proper housing in our communities. Uh, we're fortunate to have Norwood, and um, but we have people that are tra traveling as far away as Dove Creek, Delta, and, and it's hard for them to be part of our community. When they worry about the school, they worry about the school that their children are going to 
rather than our local school. And, and that's, that's a problem that we have, I think, with all of our, um, mm. our workers in our community, our doctors, our teachers, everybody. It's, it's hard to, uh, to find the proper housing for them in our community. And that, that makes community policing more difficult. Well, we got two subjects there I do want to branch off into, and I'll take them one at a time. The first you mentioned was was body cameras, and there was some legislation passed at the state in 2020 that required all law enforcement to have body cameras by 2023 is the date that you all have to have them by. Um, and I guess I want to check in with all of you. I mean, how is that going with you? Are you all implementing body camera programs? Um, but first, actually, Sheriff Masters, I do want to start. You had mentioned you just feel body cameras undermine community policing. I'm wondering if you can say more about why you think that. Well, it, it, it's... it's um you know, it's really Orwellian in my mind. You know, it, that means every time you're talking to a police officer, every time you, the officer may have to go into your home, and we have to go into people's homes a lot uh, due to they might be having a medical emergency, they might be having a psych, psychiatric uh, emergency, some other kind of crisis in their home, and now they're on body camera. And, and that footage is public record. And, and so who's going to invite people into their home if everything's on 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 uh, body camera now, that's public record, and there are restrictions on releasing it, but still, if it's um, if the somebody had enough horsepower, enough uh, money, and legally legal representation to demand all the body camera footage that we take every single day, they could do that, and, th- and that that comes like you know like. I call it Orwellian. Mm. It, it's a very controlling kind of thing. That why, why don't we just have cameras in everybody's homes that we can watch them all the time? And then we won't have to go there. Well, let me follow up with what would you say to people who would say they feel more comfortable knowing law enforcement officers have body cameras on. So in the case that they need to have that as evidence, that that's an option. I mean, what would you it, say to those folks? Interesting. I I went to body cameras early because the officers wanted them. The officers are going. This is for my protection, because people would are accusing me of of either using too much force or not enough force or or not investigating something properly, whatever it might be, not using the proper language, all that kind of stuff. And, and so they feel so much better wearing the body cameras because they can prove uh, what their their actions were. And so because of that, I, I kind of reluctantly went to them. But I still think we're, we're going a little bit too far and having cameras basically everywhere. And, and um, we need to – I'm not sure that's a great thing. It's not a great thing when it comes to, to um, how we used to do policing in, in, in a very informal way. And mm-hmm. you know, there's times I'm just not going to turn it on. You know, if somebody's sharing with me a very personal – matter in their life and a lot of people do uh, um and or come to us all for for a form of counseling i'm not gonna turn my body camera on you know it's just it's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. you know so there's it's it's a i'm not a a hundred percent in favor of it but we do have them and we do use them and the officers are in trouble now if they don't Mm. Chief Brody, Chief Compton, I mean, do you have anything to weigh in on just, I guess, your general feelings on body cameras? I, I think to, to build on that, I, th- I think it does. I think body-worn cameras protect both the officer and the public. Uh, and, and to Sheriff's point, I think the problem becomes a well-intentioned legislature who tries to over-legislate when and what we do. And, and to that, like, like the sheriff said, we, at, at this point, we don't have any option. Um, if it's a law enforcement contact, the body-worn camera has to be on. And so it takes some of that discretion away, and I get what the well-intentioned legislature intended to do, um, but but sometimes that it just becomes overreaching, um, you know. And, and the sheriff mentioned the, the reform that's going on. I don't think any of the three of us or any of our eight personnel in our agencies have any problem with any of it. Um, but but it is it's it's that microcosm one bad cop we don't want any bad cops but the other 800,000 in America great cops that are doing great work every single day kind of get zeroed out on because of, of the bad apple that yeah we want to get rid of them too and, and we don't like them either but but it, to, to the sheriff's point I, I think it protects everybody it's just become a little bit overreaching at this point I think. Hmm. Chief Compton? Yeah TMO's had cameras since I mean prior to me me coming into this position so i want to say since 2016 2017 we were already utilizing body worn cameras um you know they both said 
you know, pretty accurately. And I know our staff really does enjoy having cameras on because it, it does help when someone wants to call and make a complaint and we're reviewing that body-worn camera. We can either sustain the complaint based on the body-worn camera or, you know, unfound it based upon the body-worn camera. So, you know, our officers know they have the cameras on. They understand the cameras are rolling. Um, you know, and oftentimes if there is a complaint, we remind the person that, hey, we're going to go back and review body-worn cameras that sometimes ends the complaint right then and there. So it does get away from some frivolous complaints, but there has been times where it's also um, been helpful in sustaining complaints against officers as well. Mm. And by, and Sheriff Masters, Chief Comp, Telluride and Sheriff, you all have body cameras in Mountain Village getting them? No, we've, we've had them okay. for gotcha. the last year, year and a half, something like that. So yeah, my, my council approved that very quickly. So, yeah. um, and, and, and just to follow up on that was, it was interesting because that's part of the well-intentioned legislator is in, in 20, 20, 217, they said we had to have body worn cameras by 2023. Mm-hmm. But then last year, the legislator came out and said, well, but if you already have them, then you have to follow all the rules that we've already put in place for the year before. So that, and I think all of us, we kind of went early so that we could meet we could get ready for the statute, and then they kind of changed the goalposts a little bit on that. And that was some of the trying to clean up some of that legislation that didn't work mm. real well. But, but yeah, we do. We all have body-worn cameras, and also we have. I don't know about the other two, but we have uh, in-car cameras as well. So, gotcha. getting in-car cameras into the year. Mm. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, it's off the record. I'm Matt Hoyt from the Coto News team. We are joined by three leaders of our local law enforcement agencies, Sheriff Bill Masters from the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, Chief Josh Comp from the Telluride Marshals Department, and Chief Chris Brody from the Mountain Village Police Department. Um, if you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 970-728-4333. We may be having some phone issues, but we're going to see, fingers crossed, we can be, get it working. But Give us a call if you have a question or a comment. We'll try and get you on air, 970-728-4333. Sheriff Masters, another point you brought up a few minutes ago um, was also staffing and the challenges that come with with housing issues. And I'm wondering from the three of you, I mean, where do you stand with staffing and and just having, you know, fully staffed teams? Chief Compt, start with you. I don't think any three of us have ever been fully staffed. I mean, I'm currently down to code enforcement positions. Um, You know, we're... We have an opening spot for a uh, sergeant position right now that we're trying to fill, um, but it's it's a, it seems to be a constant challenge um, trying to to maintain a staff, you know, the retention and then the recruitment on top of that. Um, you know, nationally it's an issue in the profession. It's just there's just not many people that are interested in going into law enforcement recently, so that's having you know huge effects. But then you obviously take the trickle down effect to San Miguel County and then compound the housing issues on top of that. It makes it it makes it tough to find qualified candidates that are you know want to work here and um you know are able to live here as well mm. sheriff masters go to you well I, it's a it's a big issue for us and um we have people once again that, that live all over western colorado and commute to either work in the jail or work for patrol uh we used to require county residency we pay a housing allowance for telluride and norwood we still have a hard time recruiting people to come and uh, and work with us. And I, and I think we have a good agency. I think all, all three of our agencies are, are have a good work environment. Uh, but with the um, unpopularity of, of the profession generally has, has made it more difficult to uh, to attract people. Uh, we, we've um, lost some long-term members recently at the sheriff's office. So a lot of our experiences has left us, and and that's just due to some changes that, that once again, that are going on in the profession. So uh, whatever we can do to increase our, our housing options would be great. Most of uh, the people that are attracted to the profession, I think, are tr- very traditional kind of American family-type people, and they, they envision at some point in time in their life they're going to have a... Um, uh, a small cottage of, of a working class person with a uh, swing set in the backyard, something along those lines, which, uh, as we all know, is just, just not available in, in the Telluride region. We, we've done great at promoting uh, our restrictive um, housing and development to the benefit of those of the wealthy uh, people with the big houses uh, to the detriment of, uh, once again, the cottages of the working class so we don't have that available and so that makes it even that much more difficult to recruit once again our community members who are going to be our uh, our peace officers mm. 
Chief Brody, staffing. Yeah, kind of the same thing with, with both of these guys said. Um, I am down one community service officer and one patrol officer right now. Um, and, and, yeah, it, it's really difficult to try and recruit and retain people, um, just like the sheriff said, to try and find that house, recruit that young family that wants to be here and retire here. Um, you know, we, we were just talking today about trying to find that location, find those people, recruit people in. And it's just difficult, um, first of all, finding qualified people. Uh, it, it, as we all know, this is a beautiful place to work, um, but, but finding those people that can afford to move here and live here. So, uh, yeah, I think anything we can do, I think the other, you know, as, as the sheriff mentioned earlier, it's, it's not just our police officers, but it's our firefighters, EMTs, doctors, all the first responders, teachers. Um, our, our community all is suffering right now. And, um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about the pandemic, and, we, and we've seen a lot of the second homeowners move in and, and want to live in their homes, which I completely get and understand, but that's displaced a lot of our long-term rental pool. And, and so we're, I think we're struggling anymore, um, even more than what we were. I, Mountain Village has some really exciting new opportunities for housing, both in Mountain Village and over in Norwood. And I'm really excited to see those develop and hopefully come through. So, cause we, we need it for all of our workforce. Yeah. No, it's the, it's the, the crucial part about housing. I mean, you know, you need to house all the people to make the community go around. <laughs> um, for the, all three of you, I mean, as you really do think of, um, I mean, the last year, year and a half or so in the community in terms of just trends that you all have seen from your end of things, I think both in terms of, of crime, also in terms of community development. I mean, what are really the major trends um, that you all have seen from your end of things are, you know, more crime, less crime, more just all of those things. Um, and Sheriff Masters, we'll start with you this time. Well, I, we're not a hotbed of crime necessarily. I, I don't I think most people feel pretty, pretty safe in our in our communities. Mm -hmm. Um, but we do have people issues. We're, we're growing. We have, we have uh, a lot, of, lot more traffic than we used to have. And, and so we just have things that are going to happen in any community. Our domestic uh, situations, our, our mental health uh, uh, problems, um, and um, other substance abuse problems. So it, it's not like there, there's one particular thing that makes it more uh Difficult than it does any place else, where there's not a particular crime trend that I can, I can see. Um, there's always the different drug waves that come through. We have a meth wave, cocaine wave, a fentanyl wave, and this this whole thing just continually repeats itself. And people turn to us as if we're going to solve that. And of course, we're not going to solve that. We're going to do the best we can, but that's that's not a solvable issue when it comes to assigning it to peacekeepers to deal with uh, alone. Um, as far as other things go with the, the sheriff's office, we've seen big increases in our search and rescue calls, mm. and, and that's a big part of our, our mission in the sheriff's office, especially in a, in a recreational community like ours. And, and with our continuing drought, our other big issue is our, is our uh, wildfire management. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, that's going to be a continuing problem uh, as time goes on and, and uh, we're working with our fire districts closely for the first time we've actually have a plan to include the entire county under a, a uh, one of the three fire districts now there used to be um, large portions of the county that were covered by nobody but a, the sheriff's office and, and so now we've changed that uh, <clears throat> once again thanks to the Norwood fire Protection District and the Telluride Fire Protection District and the Egner Fire Protection District to include most of the county. So uh, we're hoping to, to make that a little better in the future. Still, our drought is going to continue, it sounds like, and there's going to be a continuing problem for, um, for all the emergency responders and the sheriff's office and the management of that as we're required to do by law. Mm, I want to put a pin in that and get back to that guy get back to that actually in a sec but for now we'll go to uh, chief brody in terms of major trends and then what you all have been spending most of your time doing over the last year and a half or so so yeah i, I agree i mean we're not we're not a hotbed of crime but uh, unfortunately we do see all the types of crimes that the big cities do just a little bit less of that um which i've always said uh, it, it's hard for all of our officers to balance that 
community guest services need you know you, you, you do that traffic stop at nine o'clock at night and you presume it's one of our traffic or our local community just doing five over the speed limit you're just going to give them a warning and ask them to slow down but you don't know who's in that car and that person knows what crimes or warrants they have out and so you always have to be aware and, and ready for that situation um and i think that's something that that hopefully helps our community. Um, you know, I think all three of us have always said if anybody ever wants to come out and do a ride along with an officer and see what that's like, give us a call and come out and see. Um, you know, it's it's not like the movies, it's not like TV. Um, it, it can be interesting and it's in our community. So, you know, I, I think as far as the trends, it, it seems like I don't have any statistics, but it seems like there's more people in the community, like the sheriff said, more traffic, um, just more people here. My, my numbers seem to be a little bit less right now, but um, it, it's more complex and more sophisticated crimes, I guess, that are taking longer to investigate. Um, some, some of the drug cases, a lot of credit card fraud cases, um, things like that seem to be more prevalent than what they were. So that, that's what we've been spending a lot of our time on. Hmm. Chief Compt? The same. I mean, here in Tyra, it's a lot of quality of life type issues. Um, you know, last year... I think our calls for service went up over 2,000 calls. So we were we were pretty busy last year, and we were obviously short-staffed. Um, a lot of cars come in, especially during summer. So there's a lot of traffic. So there's a lot of demand. You know, being specific areas throughout town for traffic control, speeding, um, as well as trying to just manage all the typical radio calls and stuff that comes through on a on a busy summer day or busy summer night. Um, you know, we've also seen an increase. We saw a big increase towards the end of last year in fraud-related calls as well, which mm -hmm. are can be extremely time-consuming for the officer to investigate. It typically involves a lot of search warrants and writing, writing a lot of search warrants and paperwork involved in those, so that takes up a lot of time. We saw an increase in traffic accidents, which, again, takes a lot of time um, for, you know, for report writing and stuff. So in addition to taking all these calls, there's the, the ugly side of law enforcement no one talks about, which is just being completely overwhelmed with paperwork. <laughs> so you're constantly buried in paperwork and you're always trying to catch up on that as well, but also, you know, go out and have your directed patrols and try to enforce traffic and speeding issues as well, um, in addition to radio calls. So it's, you know, that gets a little bit compounded when you just don't have the staff or if you have one or, you know, one to maybe two officers working at best, then a lot of proactive work, um, can kind of get pushed aside a little bit you know if we have one officer that's working by themselves at night and they happen to stop a car that's turns into a dui investigation well, that officer may be out of the field now for three to four hours so you know they got to be very careful about who they're stopping and picking those 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 calls so that they can still respond to any emergency that we have here in the community hmm. i'm wondering if you all three actually could put in perspective i mean you all have different teams but obviously they work different shifts i mean at any one time i mean how many officers are working from each of your teams Gen generally for Mountain Village, there's one officer on, and, and, and that's where we rely on each other for the backup. Um, you know, like Chief Comp just said, the, a DUI investigation, if my officer's on it, usually a, a Telluride Marshal or Sheriff's Office will will just immediately head that way as, as a backup officer. So so we really rely on, on the other agencies for our assistance, for their assistance. Hmm. Sheriff Masters? Uh, likewise, we have to work together because we, we have, um, there isn't staff out all the time, and um, I'm a little different. I've got 1,280 square miles, and so I, 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 I like the Placerville Fire Department's um, slogan of, of same-day service. Um, you know, and sometimes uh, we're lucky of that because it's a, a, almost a two-hour drive to uh, Egner just to uh, to handle a call there. So uh, we have to rely on on both. Uh, uh, the Mountain Village Police and, and uh, the Tyride Marshals, the Norwood Marshal, um, the Dolores County Sheriff out of Dove Creek, um, the, the uh, San Juan County Sheriff there in uh, um, in Utah that we border uh, on the Utah side. They'll come over and help us, and we'll help them on occasion as well. And they're clear there in uh, Monticello. So uh, we have to have... Um, agreements out with all these different agencies to come and, and assist us because the the chance of us being at a particular location over that large an area being close at hand sometimes is really difficult so yeah, at times you might see a lot of deputies in a certain area 
Um, but some of those deputies might be doing other functions because we're running the jail as well. And so we're transporting inmates to court and we're transporting them to the, um, to the dentist and the, and the doctor. And uh, so you'll see cars moving inmates around uh, out of the county jail. And other times you'll see officers um, also out serving civil papers and doing the different duties they have to do uh, regarding the court. And so you might seem like, oh, there's a lot of officers, but then uh, uh, on other times, uh, you know, on a Sunday morning or something, there might be maybe one person out for that 1,280 square miles and 800 miles of uh, roadway. So that, that's that's a lot of ground to cover with with uh, with not that many staff. Yeah. So. Um, Chief Compt. Uh, we're typically we try to be a minimum of two, but just like everybody else, that can drop to to one officer at times. Hmm. Gotcha. Uh, a big piece of our community is the fact that a lot of our region is primarily Spanish speaking. We have a lot of immigrants in our community, um, and I'm wondering if each of you can talk about the resources you have to be law enforcement agencies supporting the Spanish speaking portions of our community. And Chief Comp, we'll start with you this time. No, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, we've been reaching out. Um, recently met with uh, members of CAFI to kind of figure out ways that we can kind of strengthen our relationship from a law enforcement. And that's the local immigrant it advocacy is. group, CAFI. Yeah. It is, yeah. Sorry. Um, so trying to figure out ways that we can, you know, start building those relationships between law enforcement and you know that part of our community. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a work in progress. I think it, it starts with a conversation and starting to maybe dispel some rumors. Um, you know, having you know that you know being comfortable coming to law enforcement, you know, a victim of a crime is a victim of a crime, regardless of immigration status, in my opinion. So it's, you know, we want to make sure they feel comfortable coming forward with us. And it just starts with that conversation and, and starting to kind of build those relationships. Mm-hmm. Proudy? It, yeah, I, you know, I think it's the same thing. It just goes back to that community policing. Um, you know, we, we've had very successful national night outs the last several years. Um, we're with what Sheriff Masters mentioned about the fire concerns for this year we're going to try and do some public events surrounding that um and, and engage our entire community um yeah you know i i currently don't have any spanish-speaking officers on my department um you know we, we've kind of had that conversation and, and you can branch that all off into a diversity of officers um you know right now we're all down officers and while we want to diversify we want qualified good officers for our community so it's, it's kind of take the people we can get we can't really pick and choose if you're spanish speaking or not um i think the sheriff i'll, I'll toot his horn because he's fluent in spanish so i think he does really good um, and I'm i don't know sure about the rest I, of his force I'm not even he, you're a lot better than yeah, I, yeah, it's muy importante por oficiales de la ley de habla español perfecto no um i that's about as far as i can go so uh, um I, I i i don't uh i i'm not a spanish speaker i i've tried to to learn some as I, I uh, in my travels and stuff and, and in some schools, but I, I'm very poor at it. For, we have uh, one fluent um, deputy uh, who I, I, I try to, I hate to say use, but to, to, to get him to, to reach out to the Spanish-speaking community because uh, uh, he can speak so well. Mm. And, um, and there's some other others that that uh, can speak Spanish a, a lot better uh, than, than I certainly can, but still not at that that fluent portion. Um, it, it's it's important, like any other group in our community, that they feel safe. They feel like they can call on us, and, and um, that we're not going to be. Um, uh, as the law used to require, we used to have to report them, and and now, of course, the law has changed where, where we don't re, we don't report people like who are arrested uh, uh, that are um, are maybe illegal immigrants, and and so the law has flip flop back and forth, and I think there's been confusion in in the um, uh, uh, Spanish speaking community or the immigrant community because of the different changes in Colorado law. And once again, that's something that is really important to remember, too. When we, when we see the state legislature trying to come down on either whatever issue that it might be to try to micromanage uh, peacekeeping organizations, when really we know best. We know best what uh, is good for our community and, and what needs to be 
be done to support our community and for them to micromanage us by going well you know one year you got to report everybody to ice and the next year you can't report anybody to ice just let us handle it. Let us deal with it. What's best for our community is what they should be saying. Hmm. And we're the ones that are ultimately responsible to our town boards or to our, our elected population or to our population that's going to elect us and, and let them be the judge whether we're, do- we're doing a good job or not. Yeah. Looks like we got a caller, so we're going to see if our phone lines are working. Hello, you're live on Kodo. Got a question? Thank you. Um, it looks like our headphones are still not working for our guests, and I'm guessing if it's the same problem, listeners could not hear that call either. Um, but I could hear it, which is the strange thing. So we are going to figure out the wiring on the Kodo end of things. Um, but I heard it, so I can't actually translate the, the message. It was a caller saying, um, thanks to all three of you. Um, much appreciation. And it was actually wondering if Sheriff Masters could provide an update on um, the concealed carry uh, at Norwood School District that, that passed earlier this year that Norwood School District employees would start um, carrying weapons for defense. You know, that's really an issue for, for the Norwood School um, School Board. They're elected, much like I am, and to make decisions, proper decisions regarding the education and the safety of those children, and uh, they decide a certain way, and I, I'm not going to say that, that was good or bad. That That's a uh, a decision for the Norwood, uh, once again, the school board and the Norwood community to make uh, on, on the safety of of their children. Um, you know, I, I just would say that any, it's really difficult for me to maintain the proficiency of uh, my deputies and myself in in the use of firearms. It takes a tremendous amount of training, requalifications expense to make sure I can say to somebody you're qualified to today to go out and carry a firearm and and, and go and um, uh, keep the peace in our community under a lot of supervision under a body camera now under uh, uh, sergeants uh, that are directed to make sure that these people have their heads screwed on straight that particular day that they don't have some kind of something going on in their life that we don't know about um, uh, to make sure that they have the, the, the maturity and, and, and the mental capacity today to go out and do their job. And, and um, so to, to, to authorize somebody to do that, uh, um, you know, it still keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to make sure that our deputies are squared away when it comes to to the use of force. Um, so I, I think I think uh, if you authorize that in a business or, or a school or anything else, you've got a big burden. And and, and if I was a, a principal or a school board member, um, I bet they have a lot of sleepless nights too, because I know I sure do. Hmm. Um. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, this is Off the Record. I am Matt Hoish from the Kodo News Team. We are joined by three leaders of our local law enforcement agencies, Sheriff Bill Masters with the County Sheriff's Office, Chief Chris Brody from the Mountain Village Police Department, and Chief Josh Compt from the Telluride Marshals Department. Um, our phones, it seems, may be having a bit of an issue. And so if you have a question or a comment for any of our guests, we're going to try and open up the email lines. Um, and you can send an email to news at koto.org. That's N-E-W-S at koto.org. And um, apologies for the, the phone issue. We'll hopefully figure that out. But for now, we at least want one avenue to, to get questions or comments. So news at koto.org if you have a question um, for any of our guests. Sheriff Masters, earlier you mentioned uh, the F word, fire. You mentioned the uh, the fire word. And um, I actually, uh, Chief Brody and Chief Compt, I'm not sure what your all's engagement is in terms of local fire preparations. I know that the sheriff's office is, is really engaged in it, but if you are engaged, and I'll throw the question to all three of you, um, 
Sheriff Masters, I remember I was sitting in on a county commissioner meeting uh, last year and it was about fire preparedness. And someone brought up, you know, what might be the the worst, worst case scenario, which is there's a wildfire in Telluride on the 4th of July. Um, and I actually got a shiver down my spine when I heard that because that sounds like the worst case scenario of tens of thousands of people here and there's a fire and there's one road. Um, and I'm sorry if that scared people. That was, it scared me. I just want to throw out there, I mean, can you, talk a bit about um regional fire preparedness the role the sheriff's office plays um and really just kind of the the plans that are out there for for keeping folks as safe as we can be well um we've changed a little bit over over the past few years here our our mission uh on uh, fire we used to have and we still do have some fire trucks because we had a large area of the county that did not have fire protection so it fell on us, and we were trying to get away from that and stick to management. And to that end, we've uh, encouraged the fire districts to expand their boundaries to cover that uh, initial attack portion of our uh, firefighting efforts. Um, every year we meet together with all our regional partners, our, our, uh, the BLM, the Forest Service, uh, the State Forest Service, and, and, and we all meet together in, in uh, Placerville and all our local fire protection districts uh, to develop a plan on, on suppressing fires and, uh, and the management of those fires. And we've had some big ones. We had a 30,000-acre fire outside of Norwood um, several years ago, and, and uh, from here it looked like an atomic bomb explosion. Uh, it, was a, um, it ran seven miles in an hour. Um, and if that was in a populated area, uh, we would have had fatalities and, and a lot of structures lost. So uh, we have to uh, help manage that. And when it, 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 a fire exceeds the capability of a fire district, in other words, the fire district goes like, there's, this fire's gonna grow really quickly and we're gonna need a bunch of bombers in here to put, put the fiery tartan down. And that exceeds the, the um, the capability of the local fire district, then uh, they turn to me and say, you need to um, operate the, the fire plan. And the fire plan basically puts that burden back on the county where then then we have to go and pay for these these um, these bombers at, you know, thirty forty thousand dollars $40,000 a drop. And, that, and um, hopefully it's bordering a forest or in the forest or a BLM land so the federal government will help us take care of that, but we also have the emergency fire fund that our uh, county donates to every year uh, to, uh, as kind of an insurance policy to pay for those extra firefighting efforts. So the main thing uh, comes to us uh, when a fire does occur now is both the management of that fire uh, when it exceeds the fire protection district and uh, evacuating people from uh, the, the, uh, where the fire is going. And to that end, um, we're, we have uh, the emergency planner in our office, Shannon Armstrong, and, and she she's, um, manages our emergency planning. And we're going to have a drill later on this month with the fire protection districts in the sheriff's office o over a particular in incident. Uh, I think it's supposed to be occurring in Norwood, the, the, the mock exercise. Um, we're also... Um, through the generous donation of an aviation company and that's uh, headed by a friend of mine. We're um, getting our uh, helicopter later this month. It'll be based here in Telluride. And um, we think that will really help us, not in the fire suppression, that's not what it's there for, but for search and rescue and for spotting wildfires and, and for helping manage our evacuation. Because if you can't see the fire, you can't see where the fire is spreading, at an at a elevation and, and have someone there, a deputy sheriff, hopefully managing, okay, this is, this is where it's going. This is the other, these are the houses we need to evacuate. These are the roads we need to close. And this is the safest routes out of here. It really takes an aerial asset to do that and do that well. So uh, um, that's going to be based at the Telluride Airport. And um, we hope that helps us if we ever do have one of those uh, uh, fires that... that um, could be roaring up valley and and that's as we've seen in california and other places that's a real possibility and people need to be prepared for that eventuality and, and understand that during the height of fire season that they keep their car fueled up 
They know where their kids are. They know where their pets are. They know because they they may get to a situation where they're not allowed to go home. They're here. Uh, maybe they came up here from Montrose and 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 the the fires on Dallas divide. And we're going like you can't you can't even get home. So you need to be prepared or have people prepared to take care of your kids that might be getting out of school in a remote area from where your work is, either Montrose or Norwood, and, and understanding you may not be able to, to make it home um, and, and have that, uh, that kind of go bag mentality to have enough to, to, to keep yourself, um, uh, allow yourself a, an evacuation plan and discuss that with your family. What would you do if you can't get home? What would you do if there is a fire coming up valley? Where, where's a safe, safe place to go? We like to have that in our plans, but we can't see every single thing that might happen. Might happen in the mountain village, might happen down valley, could even start here in town or on the valley floor. All those things are gonna throw different uh, variables into our planning and our evacuation routes. Because one evacuation route might be, we need to evacuate Telluride, but we may not be able to. Mm -hmm. we, we may be all, kind of trapped here in this valley and so we need to 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 go to the safe spots in our valley and understand it it could be a really difficult um afternoon if we get a fire that's running seven miles in an hour mm -hmm. <clears throat> and and people need to understand that and mentally prepare for it and listen to their emergent the emergency information in koto on, on code red Sign up for Code Red and, and make sure you get those emergency messages that we're going to be sending you to, to uh, instruct you on, on where to go and what to do when those um, uh, emergencies occur. And finally, think, remember, you're responsible for yourself. And, and a lot of people who wait to hear when they go like, God, the flames are getting close, the smoke's getting really thick. Well, that's a clue. That's a clue to get the hell out of the way. And, and, and you need to pay attention to your own instincts to say, I, I may not get that information in time from the emergency services. So what am I going to do in, in order to protect myself and my family? Hmm. Um, the wildfire conversation is an entire other hour we could could and probably will have. Um, but Chief Brody and Chief Compton, is there anything else you want to add from, from your agency's points of view? I, I think exactly what the sheriff said. I just recently presented to my council along with Chief Bennett from the fire district and, and Shannon from the emergency planning. Um, you know, and, and, and that is, I mean, the, mm -hmm. you know, we, we saw the Marshall fire and that was kind of what prompted my conversation with my council. Um, it, it is the evacuation concern. And, and my argument is if, if you can plan, you can prepare and you can mitigate, I can help you solve all those things, but I can't solve the evacuation route. I mean, it's, it's basically where do you want to get to one road? I mean, we've, we've created emergency egresses out of Mountain Village that go to Highway 145. So now we have two routes to get to one road. And, and we can continue that. How far down do you want to go? Um, you know, and, and to the sheriff's point, I think sometimes we may have to shelter in place. So that's where some of the home hardening, uh, mitigation around your home, all those things come into play as well. So, um, yeah, we're we're the towns are involved. I mean, we depend on the fire district and the sheriff's office um, because, unfortunately, obviously the fires don't know what the boundary is. So. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think our piece would be the evacuation. And I think, like the sheriff said, if you see smoke and you feel uncomfortable, leave. I mean, that's, that's the time to go, not wait for us to say now's the time to go. So, Chief hmm. Compt? I mean, they kind of said it all. I mean, we work with our partners at the fire district, and um, we'll work with the emergency manager, do tabletop scenarios as often as we can to kind of prepare for this. So at least we've kind of got a leg up and that we've already thought about it and kind of already worked through some of the kinks, at least in tabletop. But to... To their points, you can have it all planned out, and it can be a little bit different when it actually hits. So it's just kind of being being flexible with it, and you know, understanding how to adapt. Mm -hmm. um, we have about ten minutes left, and so one topic I want to turn to in the in the time we have left um, is mental health. And I know that you all were involved in there was a big mental health co-responder program the county was running, and that was aiding. I know uh, Chief Collins and Brody, both of of your uh, departments, um, and then that got reshuffled and now is in a bit of a different situation. Um, and so I guess I'm really just wondering, um, for all three of you, kind of your approach to, to mental health assistance, aiding your officers, training co-responders, um, really how you're all thinking about, you know, supplementing and supporting your officers who are called in to deal with mental health issues that 
you know, sometimes law enforcement maybe isn't the best person to, to call for a mental health issue, but it happens. And so how are you all thinking about that and, and equipped to, to handle it? And Chief Comp, we'll start with you this time. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to send our officers to, you know, whatever um, mental health type classes and training they can go to. You know, crisis uh, intervention training is a big one that we're trying to send our, our officers to. It's a, believe, a 40-hour class on on how to deal with that. Um, you know, with, with CORE, we had a, a good thing going in that, um, I know marshals office, and I believe sheriffs. I don't want to speak for Mountain Village, but we were trying to pull back as far as having law enforcement officers be the first and primary contact of someone that's going through a crisis. Um, so CORE did a good job of kind of being that initial contact, and um, we would show up to assist if requested by them. Um, you know, we we recently switched to a to a new company, if you will, and we're working through some of those those issues because it is a little bit different than what we had with CORE. Um, I don't think there's been really any any lag or any um, diminished service to to our community from from a new program i think it's kind of picked up where core left off it's just a little bit different that we're having to kind of work on some of adjusting if you will um so it's 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 training it's having those those conversations um you know and and kind of move off topic a little bit i mean Mm -hmm. we're also looking at mental health for our officers as well at Mm -hmm. our wellness program at the department um you know unfortunately we see we see things often that can, you know, be traumatizing for, for officers as well as, you know, the normal public. So trying to provide them wellness opportunities as well, um, whether it's through a peer support program or other, you know, even the core program to, you know, reach out and talk to someone when they have, you know, a traumatic event that they've, they've witnessed. So we utilize those services as well. Mm-hmm. And should clarify core was that mental health co-responder program, yep, mental sorry. health professionals. Yeah. All the acronyms, uh, sheriff masters will go to you. Well, core was really important to me. And I think we ran into some, Issues, well, it was staffing, quite frankly. It seems like staffing and housing <laughs> was, a, was a problem. Um, I, I kind of liked it because uh, they had an office in, in my office, and, and I had a lot of interaction with them. And, and now it, that's kind of changed. Um, I, I wish this uh, company the, the best success, and, and we seem to be having some good success. They, they are uh, responsive. Uh, we have a, a one-hour um, timetable where they're supposed to be uh, available. They're coming into the jail and and and, uh, serv- and providing services to our our inmates that that um, are in need of it. And, and um, quite often there, there's a good proportion of, of people that happen to be be in jail that, that once again are either uh, have uh, are in crisis or, or have um, a, an addiction problem. Uh, or a substance abuse problem of some type, and uh, if they didn't have those problems, they they probably shouldn't be in jail, or maybe they shouldn't be in jail at all. Mm. They just happened to to be in crisis, but they committed crimes while they were in crisis, and and so that they they have been helping with that. We have a number of people that that we deal with uh, that are, are um, suicidal, and and certainly if we can divert those people to uh, another program, that that is. Um, I think that benefits the the person that that's in crisis, uh, and not that we're, you know, most of us are, are, are trained in, in in dealing with people that are in crisis, but uh, um, having a real true professional there doing that and someone who devotes themselves to that um, is a, a real uh, uh, benefit for our community. Chief hmm. Prady. Yeah, I think just to follow up on that, I think the co-responders, the initial response to that initial crisis piece has been so important and so helpful to us. But the other big piece, and, and, and what, what continues is that follow-up part um, to, to give guidance and assistance and counseling when they're not in crisis and, and really help that person hopefully not get into crisis again. Um, you know, because that's that was our frustration before we had these programs is they call law enforcement and then they call law enforcement and then they call law enforcement and and that just wasn't solving the long-term problem so i think this is really helping recognize the mental health issue and and resolve that so um and and just what chief comp said I, i think the same thing the wellness program for our officers whether that's being able to work out or go for a bike ride or go skiing or whatever your your mental health wellness looks like um I, I think we're very much supporting that and trying to get into some of that peer support and other counseling for our officers as well so hmm. well something we'll be following is the 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 role mental health playing in you know all of your law enforcement efforts um this is not the main focus of our show but i don't want to have this program without addressing it um 
Chief Comps, Chief Roddy, you two, unlike Sheriff Masters, are, are not elected officials. You are you are appointed by the governments. Um, but Sheriff Masters, you are elected. You are an elected official. And earlier this year, you announced that you would indeed be seeking re-election this year for another uh, four-year term as sheriff. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more as the election nears. But since you're in the studio, I do just want to throw a quick question at you. Just why are you um, why are you seeking re-election and what would you hope to do with another four-year term as sheriff? Um. You know, personally, I just I don't know what I'd do with myself. I, I think I've been doing it for so long, I, I, I lack the ability to find other things to do, I guess. And um, I, I do uh, enjoy going to work. And um, as long as I still do that and as long as the public still thinks I'm worthy of it, um, I'm going to I'm going to keep doing it. Um, as far as the next four years, you know, I, I ask people to they should always look like not what have you done, but what are you going to do is what's important. And, I, and uh, my commitment is to continue to, to provide the mental health services as best we can and, and integrate those in, into our peacekeeping efforts and into our correctional facility as well. I, I think that's really important to our community. I, we're going to continue it with our uh, uh, supporting, once again, our fire uh, management uh, efforts and our search and rescue which is very important to our, to our recreational community. And to that end, I, I, I'm hoping that our, our, our helicopter program, it, uh, and once again, we're going to have trouble staffing with pilots we're finding and finding housing for the pilots. But uh, we, we, we are um, uh, looking forward to that in the, in the next four years as uh, to provide additional services to our community. And, and just overall, I, I think... Um, I'm a, I'm a true peacekeeper. That's I don't use the word law enforcement to describe mm -hmm. my agency. I use peacekeeper, and and um, there's uh, uh, over 400 traffic violations for instance, and over 30,000 laws in the state of Colorado. We can't be law enforcement officers. There's too many laws, and um, uh, so the best we can do is is try to preserve the peace, and that's going to be uh, be my goal for the next four years. Well, I'm sure we'll talk to you more about that in depth as the election season approaches or the next election season. Um, as we wrap up the hour, I would just curious for all three of you to share any closing comments you have. And as Sheriff Masters, as you said, looking ahead, um, just what for all three of you, your goals are for, for the coming year for each of um, your teams. Chief Brody, we'll start with you. I, I think, again, I don't want to sound like a broken off the record, <laughs> um, but it really is community engagement. I mean, mm -hmm. that that's my biggest thing is is – if you need something, call us. We might not be the right place, but we will sure try and help find that right place. So, um, you know, I, I've always said that if you don't remember the number to Wesco, which is our dispatch center, 911 is a really easy number to remember. And, and they'll, they'll get help and we'll figure out what we need to do. So that, that's to me, continues to be the biggest piece is, is that community involvement and community engagement with, with all of our citizens. So, Chief Compt? The same, just trying to build on our relationships within the community. Um, you know, something I'm proud of the last few months, we've been partnering with communities that care to start providing exporting events between law enforcement. You know, all their agencies have been present as well, um, and some of our high school students. So back in February, we played dodgeball. In March, it was indoor soccer. And last week, we did capture the flag. So we're, Sounds you know, dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's been, you know, it's been a lot of fun, you know, engaging with the, uh, you know, the students. And I think it's starting to hopefully build some relationships between, you know, us and, you know, law enforcement and, uh, and, the, and the students and the rest of the community as well. So kind of looking to build on that and continue to try to find ways or, you know, innovative ways to strengthen our relationships. Mm. Sheriff Masters. Well, once again, what I said before, and, and, and to echo everybody here, I, I think we, we, we need to, to really try to um, continue to build our relationships. One thing that bothers me in the, in the sheriff's office is that we have this great uh, space, about 750 square miles, uh, in the west end of our county uh, that, that uh, we call District 3. And, and uh, there's few people live there, but... Uh, uh, Still, they're important to me, the, the Egner Slick Rock community. And um, we really need to uh, look at providing them with a resident deputy uh, at some point in the future. And I'd like to make that happen, that a reality uh, in this coming term, to, to have a, 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 a deputy stationed out in that community because they are so far away from, from the, the rest of us. Hmm. 
Well, we are at the end of our hour, but I'm sure this will not be the last time that you all uh, appear on our airwaves. But for the time being, uh, Chief Chris Brody with the Mountain Village Police Department, Chief Josh Comp with the Telluride Marshals Department, and Sheriff Bill Masters with the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office. All three of you, thank you so much for coming in and talking. Thank you. My Matt. pleasure, Matt. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'm Matt Hoyt from the Koto News team. We'll have more news tomorrow night. This is KOTO Telluride. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh,